Hey everyone, welcome back to the Beyond the Art podcast. Uh, once again, I'm here with my co-host Yash. Yash, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Um, we have a special guest on today as well. We have Ben. Uh, oh, I should have asked this before, but how do you say your last? Is it Pfeiffer? Ben I'm Pfeiffer. gonna make you guess. Yeah, ben yeah, Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I should have asked before. But, <laughs> yeah, welcome onto the pod. You know, good. Uh, I think me and Yash we've really, you know, appreciated your work um, covering just like the you know the X's and O's breakdown that type of stuff and like um scouting and you know we wanted to have you on to talk about the indiana paces but yeah how, how are you doing dude I'm, I'm doing well i'm always down to to talk pacers this the, this pacers team is so fun they have revived my pacers fandom um at least for the moment but yeah i'm excited to talk ball yeah it's kind of weird because you you think about this team with the demontis sabonis miles turner era with like um, Nate Bjorkin is the coach and they played a really, you know, kind of boring style of basketball in a way. Um, like just re- this really big, slow kind of lumbering team, a lot of veterans. Um, and they've, I mean, completely turned like 180 on like what they do. And now you have this, you know, transition pace, this sort of, um, this sort of team. So what are your kind of your thoughts Ben, on this iteration of the the Pacers? Yeah, they're they're fun. I, I can't say I expect them to have like the best offense ever, but it's it's been a huge departure from the last ten ish years with, with Nate McMillan and Frank Vogel. Um and yeah, the Bjorken year experiment or whatever that was. But yeah, it's been cool to see them totally lean into pace and early offense and just carrying with with Halliburton as much as possible but obviously this team plays zero defense and I I'm not like expecting them to go far in the playoffs or anything as like as, especially as a fan but like more as like a neutral analyst I definitely would would not expect them to be making a run this year um without serious tweaks to either their roster or some of their their scheme but more roster stuff but it's it's been it's been a fun ride and the the Pacers have had so like within the last like week or so have had you know in-season tournament hangover um but it's been fun I I really enjoy this this Pacers team yeah Josh what are your, what were your thoughts on the Pacers they're a lot of fun to watch like in my opinion this this past week has been the the most fun I've had researching any team we've done in this whole segment just because you know the Pacers play this exciting brand of basketball that are a lot of fun to keep up with. Um, and like, it, it, we'll talk about this later on, but I, I feel like based on personnel, like as we touched on earlier, they don't have the most talented group, but I think the way they run offense and, you know, especially with Halburn leading the charge, I feel like they've optimized as much as they could behind this group. And um, you know, they're, they're having a lot of fun playing good basketball. Yeah, and obviously kind of the heart of it all for this team is Tyrese Halliburton. And, you, you know, you see when he's not in the fold, like he wasn't, um, I think, against the the Wizards. Uh, well, not the Wizards. It was the game after they lost. Oh, Timberwolves, Timberwolves. It was the Timberwolves? Yeah, it was the yeah, Timberwolves game. That's right, yeah. Um, when he's not in, you know, they, they try to kind of, you know, keep the same scheme up. TJ McConnell actually kind of plays very similarly to Tyrese Halliburton in some ways, like the way they just kind of get into the paint. Um but it doesn't always work. So he's kind of, you know, the center of it all for them. Um, and then I watched your, you made a video on Tyrese, I think after their in-season tournament, um, mm-hmm. like a couple of weeks ago on your YouTube channel. So I just, I just watched that. Um, yeah. I and mean, what, what do you like about what Tyrese is doing so far this year? 
yeah, he's been absolutely ridiculous this year. Um, the improvement has has been pretty remarkable for him throughout his career. Um, he was immediately pretty good, but this year he's taken a leap as a shot maker, especially like the the pull. I haven't checked the numbers in the last like week or so, but as of like about a week ago, he was destroying as a pull up shooter, like over seven attempts a game, over forty three percent from three, which are like prime unanimous MVP Steph or Lillard or Luca level numbers, which is definitely not something I expected from him out of the draft for sure. And even like the last couple of years, Halliburton has been a great shooter, but the the stuff he's doing off dribble, whether that's pulling up from extremely deep range. Um, I think defenders get kind of confused with getting into his handle because of how weird like his dribble pickup and his his flow into his shot can be um it's not like a traditional like Darius Garland Trey Young like smooth transition from dribble to shot but Halliburton can basically pick up the ball from anywhere in his dribble and just shoot the ball with his weird little like boulder two motion shot um that flows a lot better these days um and that's only been like the heart of this aside from his passing of course um which is like his instant decision making and his vision and his creativity makes the Pacers offense go and allows them to do what they do so well. Um, and then it just is like his creation overall. He's scoring in the paint. He's scoring in the mid range. His floater game is excellent. Um, he, he gets to the rim a lot and he's mostly a passer um, when he gets there, but it, it's been fantastic offensively um, defenses, you know, well, um, another story for him as it kind of has always been but uh offensively he is ridiculous and he he is the engine of this team obviously not like that's saying anything crazy crazy innovative but i mean you look at the paces as a whole no one's really playing that much defense anyway so it's like yeah right i feel like even though (laughs) like Halliburton like in a vacuum is probably one of their worst defenders but he is far from the biggest issue with their defense yeah Um, yeah I think there are much bigger personnel and scheme issues with the way that the Pacers defend than the than just than just Halliburton being such a negative. And and regardless of how bad Halliburton is on defense, he's always going to be such a massive net positive because of the value he adds on offense anyway. So yeah, I was kind of taking a look at what people were saying about uh, Tyrese coming into the NBA like as a draft prospect and. Um, of course, you know, you see his weird shot, like, how is this going to translate, you know, it's kind of the hitchy, bring it up on, like, the right side of his body, it's, like, in front of him, it's a really, you know, weird shot form, it's, like, how can that translate into being, like, an elite off-the-dribble shooter, like, is he going to be more of, like, a complimentary guy because of that, um, or can he actually be, like, a primary um, option, also just, like, in regards to, like, his finishing, he's I mean, he's still not the best finish in the world, but, you know, he, he finds his way a little better now. It's a lot better than it used yeah. to be, yeah. Yeah, right. definitely. Um, I think the one thing, you talked about this in your video too, but um, he's, I feel like he's cleaned his, like, pickup a little bit, <clears throat> like, going into his shot. Um, I mean, his set point is, like, weird. It's, like, in front of him, like, really high, because usually the, a set point for someone range. is a lot, it's a lot lower. Yeah. Um, but it's, like, he dribbles it, and, like, the ball's, like, just up <sighs> here, and it, it just goes up, you know? Um so yeah, really, that is something I noted. But yeah, if you have anything to add on Tyrese, yeah, the, the shooting is definitely where it all starts, and that's where uh, uh, at least look 
tracking the numbers throughout the year, I feel like that's where he was taking the step up when his numbers were were crazy, like 27 a game and whatnot. Um, and, and the thing I've noticed with him is like he, uh, like even though the shot is is, is like a uh, unconventional or whatever, like it's he requires or the space he requires to shoot, it's like the the, the it's like as small as some of the the, the top shooters and that we've seen, like Dame, Steph, like Tyrese can get the, his shot off like and just as much ease as, as them and that's what's really i feel like changed the, the the way the paces are played this year like teams have had to pick up Halliburton, um you know a lot, a lot closer up and especially in transition and that's what opens up his uh you know paint game like he has a, in my opinion the most devastating crossover in the nba like left to left uh left to right right to left and uh that, that opens up his paint game the driving kick and whatnot it, it all begins with the shooting yeah, and he, his handle's, like, really high, too. So I feel like defenders think they can kind of get into him, and then just, boom, he, like, goes right around them. Um, yeah. He has yeah. a very unique, like, cadence to the way he drives. Um, I, I definitely do think there's, like, still some vulnerability there. Like, we saw in, like, the, the IST final where, like, the Lakers went all out on, like, pressuring his handle, sending two defenders at him. And he had trouble. He turned the ball over. The Clippers did a similar thing last night or the night before whenever Halliburton had his worst game of the year. Um, they send a lot of pressure. They they force him to go away from those early actions that the Pacers love. They're like wide ball screens. They're Spain pick and rolls, um, stuff like that. But that but that issue against most teams, especially, and there's always going to be like the question of playoffs. And I ex- I expect that the I expect that the the Pacers make the playoff hopefully, and we get to see this. But I do think in like the the playoff type environment against the Bucks, against the Celtics, we saw those adjustments against pressure and against like a more calculated defense. Um, where Halliburton has options basically against every coverage with his like dribbling cadence and the way he times his drives, where he's obviously going to just like cook deep drop with floaters and pull up threes, and he can beat traps and blitzes with timely passes and just weird pacey drives, but. Yeah, he's he's definitely like a like a unique, a unique handler for sure. Um, b- very few guys dribble the ball like like he does. Yeah, kind of, I mean you know Tyrese Halliburton is the center of it all. But taking a look at the Pacers' entire offense, um, I don't the word I kind of had to describe it was just like chaos. Um, I mean obviously everyone talks about pushing after bakes, um, you know pushing in transition. Pushing and transition, things like that. Um, and they immediately, they're not one of those teams like they push it, they don't have anything, they stop, slow it down, set their offense. They they push and they just keep going until something happens and until a shot goes up, basically. Right. They're very much of the philosophy that, like, we're going to take the first shot because we might not get a better one. Yeah. Versus it, a lot of more traditional teams are like, we're not going to take the first shot because we think we can get a better one. And um, yeah, maybe like, yeah, they're, they are obviously very extreme about that. Um, and I think like it's long been kind of like a myth that at least in, like the modern area that like more pace equals better offense when that hasn't been true at all, but it definitely is for this one. It's not just pace. Cause like general pace statistic is just possessions per a hundred that factors in transition, which doesn't really capture like the half court impact, but like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know they're like, they're like after made basket time to score is ridiculously low. Um, I actually have the number on that there. They have the lowest time to shoot after made basket. Like yeah. Yeah. I figured it was lowest. I just didn't know it, it was that, but yeah, point being like, I think that like when, even we're not thinking about transition, um, 
I think we, we've seen like a few teams give them trouble. Like they had a lot of trouble against Orlando earlier in the season, who's probably the best team in the league when it comes to like organizing and getting back in transition, the Lakers, the Wolves. But again, those are the best defenses in the league. And it makes sense that they'd have their struggles against those teams. Um, but against, and again, beating those best defenses are going to be important, but against everyone else, it's been a bloodbath and it's, it's just really hard to consistently organize for 48 minutes the way that you have to against the Pacers. Um, everyone on the Pacers is extremely well conditioned, um, which is clear, a, a clear focus of, of what they do. Um, and probably something that's like underrated as, as like a, as like a differentiating factor, um, is that their guys go for 48 minutes, um, and they have like a fair, like they, they have a deep enough offensive rotation um, to where they can make this work. And I think having like the three usable point guards, like Tyrese McConnell and Nemhard is, has been very important for them. Um, they all have different skill sets and, but they all can like do the same, like push pace, get the ball out in front stuff. Yeah. The, kind of the comparison I made was like, this is as close as you can get to Chino Hills basketball in the NBA. <laughs> I love um, that. Absolutely yeah. love that. I, I don't all know. Time, I mean, one of my all time favorite basketball teams. So yeah, obviously it's not to that extent where you're like basically having someone like cherry pick the entire game. Right. Um, like they're this still trying like, on the, yeah, this is like, what if you gave LeVar ball a head coaching job or, you know, and that head coach happens to be Rick Carlisle. Who, who would have thought? <laughs> I was going to say, that's not, that is not the coach I would have expected to, <laughs> to do this um but yeah i mean credit him for finding a slant and and making it work to the extent that it works again i i don't know how much there i think um the pacers really miss miss dan burke um who was a longtime defensive assistant for them um and was a big big reason for like why their defenses were so great um unfortunately not, I'm, he's on the pistons now so, so i don't know what you're gonna say about that <laughs> but um he was huge for the Pacers for, for many years in buttoning up their defense. And obviously the Pacers just had like defensive oriented staffs with Nick Millen and, and Vogel. Um, but this is obviously very different and it is really like Chino Hills ish and close, close, the closest to like the, the seven seconds or less Nash offense. But, but it's like the hypothetical, what if Nash like was in the modern era and, and shot the ball every time, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, before we get into to defense, Yash, you want to give a little breakdown on like kind of the numbers you you dug up on this team in regards yeah, to how sure. they play on offense? Mm-hmm. I, I will say like the, the Pacers push the pace a lot, but I think there's also some nuance to it because uh, there there are teams that will, will stop them in their tracks, although not often. Um, and, even, and even against certain matchups, they're not always going to score on the, the first push, uh, but they have a lot of counters to that. Um, and so like, again, to, just to give some numbers on the transition, as Ben mentioned, they have the lowest time to shoot after a made basket. Also third lowest time to shoot after a rebound. Uh, they're first in transition possessions, so they're going to push hard. But if they have no advantage, they have counter to that. Uh, they're so good with their principles of just, you know, if if, if they don't have anything on the, on the first push, they'll swing it to the guard. Uh, or, again, they have three different guys that, that can uh, you can run the offense through, so they'll get it to them and then run a pick and roll. And as the, the the tracking data, they're second in the NBA in pick and roll possessions, and that's just not not just Halliburton. That's McConnell, Matherin, um, uh, TJ, uh, Matherin, McConnell, um, uh, Andrew Nemhard. They have a lot of guys they can run through. They're ninety percentile in pick and roll scoring, uh, but even from there, again, they don't have the most talented group, and so 
a lot of the times they're not going to get a shot off on that first pick and roll. And they're so good at when, when again, when they get stuck, they'll rework it out to the, the wing. And I think something that's unique about them is not only will they just swing it to the wing, uh, they'll also go and set like a, a, a little, uh, like a throw and chase little ball screen. And that's whether that's a, a big or a guard, like they'll, they'll always uh, run some kind of screening action just so like it, to, to punish, truly punish a defender that's helping in. Yeah. Like, they love to just like counter with like, they love to just like run wide ball screen um, as early as they can. And they'll counter with Spain, either with Halliburton up top as, or as a back screener. And I mean, that's like a non-starter for, for most defenses, but uh, building off what you said, like, I think it's impressive how, how buttoned up they are in terms of like offensive cohesion and focus. Cause like what they do is really simple and it should be replicable by other teams. But as we know, a lot of other teams are not good at simple offensive action. There's a lot of moving, a lot of not moving, standing around, missed assignments, botched plays. And it's and it's I think it's worth crediting that the Pacers are able to sustain this level of offensive focus, running their sets, sticking to their principles for 48 minutes without I mean, of course, there are stretches where the offense lulls, but Again, like they they lead the I believe they're like top three in the league in drives. They're top three in the league in in like pass rate of you know yep. how many of their possessions are passes. Um, and I believe they turn the ball over at the, like the the lowest rate of any team in the league, which is of course like another another like rare because like most of these really high like pace teams are are high turnover teams. Um, and even if you look at like other offenses in the league, like the Hawks play really fast. Um, the the Hornets play pretty fast. The Jazz play fast. Those are all top ten in turnover eight teams. But obviously, it helps having like a brilliant passer like Halliburton, who blends like creative risk taking and turnover avoidance like very few players I've ever seen. Um, but I think it's like the unique blend of being able to keep the the foot on the gas and keep pressuring without turning the ball over is is really important. Um, and having that really low turnover rate is like the key that that makes that work. And and again, we see in the games they sputter, they they tend to turn the ball over a lot. So, hundred percent. And I think that just speaks to like the collective like ball handling that they have or on on the court. Like what guys, guards, wings, bigs, they have a lot of guys that are comfortable putting the ball on the floor. And so even when they get stuck, they have that the discipline to you know find the right guy, be patient, and uh, you know again as you mentioned, they're they're top, one of the top teams in ball movement. Uh, they're they're going to look to to drive and kick and and eventually they're going to make you crack and they'll get an open shot. Yeah, and I want to say one more thing with the offense is I think like a potentially like a thing that is like weirdly good but like bad um is their free throw rate is is one of the lowest in the league. But I think that's honestly kind of a good sign for especially how their offense is going to translate in the postseason where like we know foul rates go down. Um like refs tend to be a little stingier with their whistles. Um and the Pacers don't rely on a lot of free throws to get their points, despite being their top five in the, their fifth in the league in terms of percentage of shots taken at the rim. Um, and despite that, they they don't really take a lot of free throws at all. Um, and among the top offensive teams in the league, um, a lot of them, like the Sixers, the Bucks, the the Suns, even like the Mavericks and the Hawks, are at least middle of the table at worst. In, in free throw rate. So I think um, we see like a lot of successful offenses, like Denver is another offense that doesn't rely on free throws a ton. And they're obviously really successful in the playoffs. Um, and I think that's like, it's not like, you know, you, you want to draw more fouls. Drawing fouls is good, 
but it's a good sign to me that their offense can hold up at the level it does without relying um, on something that can just be like, even if free throws, I think should be a more reliable method of creation. We just know that, especially in the playoffs, that can kind of go out the window sometimes. Yeah, that's a really good point about the free throws. That's not something I, you know, that's some, something I like took note of right away. But now that you say that, it makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> talking overall about their offense, I, f- I feel like there's just a level of like, empowerment that's been instilled in all these guys because like aaron neesmith you know he's coming over but aaron neesmith was a corner sitter they all have a they all they all have the greenest light yeah yeah everyone i I mean aaron neesmith buddy i mean buddy he'll have the green light for his whole career but um, walking green light yeah yeah like benedict matherin too i mean from to me matherin's kind of the shake he had a really good game uh i think last night Uh, hit the 34 yeah Um, yeah probably the best game of the season for sure yeah his career i think his decision making to me though has been a little bit poor um, relative to everyone else. Like, offense kind of sputters. Ball will stop with him. But anyways, like looking at you know all the all these other guys they have. I mean, everyone I feel like is really empowered to to drive the ball to shoot it. Obi Toppin, like you see Obi Toppin taking step back threes. Like, no way he was doing that in New York. You know. Yeah, he's uh, been such a good offensive fit. I mean, I kind of figured he would be, but. Even more, um, he's shooting. He's shooting eighty percent at the rim, thirty eight percent from three. Like this is like, like it, it. Like if you could design an offensive system in a lab for for Obi Toppin, it would be this one. Which which is a good ID by obviously the the front office and the coaching identifying an undervalued guy who fits what they want. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I also was going to add too. I think having really just competent offensive centers they play. I mean, Miles Turner, I think, has been really good on offense, a really good pairing with Halliburton just with his ability to to pop. I think he's rolling a lot better now, too. He's rolling, getting into the paint. Um, that obviously opens up, you know, the skip passes and getting better closeouts, things like that. Yeah. Um, and he also Rick. puts it on the floor decently for, for a center, too, as well. And then I think Isaiah Jackson, too, like, he, he hasn't got as much a burn, um, but he I think he finished really well, at least yesterday when I was watching um he finishes around the basket pretty well like touch shots and um he's used to kind of playing the or he's at least familiar because he played with i believe lamella ball in high school at spire um so i I feel he might be kind of you know familiar with having a very up-tempo point guard like this yeah that that definitely is a good call um he was um with lamello at spire um of course and i think um isaiah's honestly been really important for them um turner's having a great offensive year and Rick Carlisle has done miracles on him, like things that I was yelling at Nate McMillan to do for him for years and years and years. Carlisle is finally, he's shooting threes, he's dribbling, he's passing more. He's definitely taken a step back athletically in the last couple of years, for sure. Um, and you can see that reflected in his finishing numbers, especially, um, I believe this year is like the lowest of his career, or at least the lowest since like very young. But yeah, it's been nice to have that like center rotation of, Miles, but also Isaiah Jackson, who adds like a necessary level of juice, both on offense and defense. And Jalen Smith has been pretty good as well for them this year. He's just like, score, like, you know, they don't ask him to do very much at all. He just play finishes efficiently when they ask him. Another one of these like 80 true shooting guys on on the Pacers this year. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Our other co-host, Gavin, um, he's a big Jalen Smith fan. (laughs) When he was They've done a really good job. Um, yeah, I think they deserve a lot of credit for taking a guy who, I mean, he was like grossly overdrafted and not really in a good spot in Phoenix and kind of have revived his career, which is always cool. 
Yeah. Oh, Bruce Brown too. That's another guy to mention. That was the other guy I was trying to think. Who was like that? The wing, the other wing they have. I think he's been really. I think he really fits well because he has the floater game. Um, I mean, his, his three point shooting has improved over the years. Put the ball on the floor, and make really good reads. Like he's also another like really good. He's also a really good cutter too. Um, cutting, I think, is just a huge part of what they do. Um, and then I was talking to Yash about this. Uh, I think like yesterday, but like I feel like I don't know how to track this, but Indiana like. <clears throat> They get to the baseline a ton. Like you, Halliburton and McConnell are always just like driving baseline and like you know scanning yeah, TJ, the floor yeah, there. TJ especially. Yeah, yeah. T, yeah, he has like that weird like he just he's going away from the basket and then turns around, jumps and then hits the hits his like weird fadeaway. But like they love getting on the baseline and then I feel like it's a really interesting way um, to have your off because you're kind of inverting it right and then now people are cutting towards the basket. Like the defense is not used to. They don't want to turn their back like turn their back to the rest of the floor. They don't right, always face exactly, the baseline. Exactly. So it's just kind of a weird, the defense is kind of in a spot they're not used to. Um, so yeah. I, I think that's a Bruce, sign of a good offense because you're getting those baseline drives that are really, are really valuable. Yeah. Bruce, um, Bruce can be kind of frustrating at times um, just because like he, he has very much become like, I think he has taken the green light maybe a little far um, with some of these other guys on, on the team. But again, like I give him credit for, adjusting his role so much like this is so alien to what he was doing in denver last year what he had done in like brooklyn and detroit over the last couple years um where they're just like straight asking him to be a ball handler now and to like take pull-up jumpers um like he's taking by far he's taking by far the most um like pull-ups in his career for sure like especially and he's getting to the rim and, and shooting pretty well uh at the rim so yeah again again credit to him for for changing for adjusting and fitting in here and i i do wish his defense was at the level it has been the last couple of years but you know is is what it is josh anything to add on the offensive end yeah i mean i just i i think all this again comes back to coaching because you like we even talked about this at the start of the year like the, the pacers coming in they have a ton of small guards small wings um, and so we're like, uh, tr- by traditional sense, like you, you wouldn't see that and see a, comp- a competing roster even in the regular season, but like Carlos, he, he's got, he got his hand and he played it the best he could. Like he, he, again, you have all this ball handling talent, so why not, you know, have them play free, play, push the pace past and, um, you know, move the ball a ton. And that's what they've done. Uh, and so I think a lot of this has to be credited to Carlisle because again, it's not, I don't think they run too many plays as we talked about. They have they run Spain a ton like that's their base set. I feel like Spain the wide actions and whatnot, but a lot of it just principle that it's like really grounded into each of the players. And again, they're just really good at you know driving kicks. Yeah, it's more like action and and flow than like they you know they they, they call up a set they 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 get into it they run it. Because I'll um, slow it down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So again, credit to Carlisle and uh, you know I I don't think this could. Uh, I think I, I'm interested to see if teams will, you know, uh, I guess started this season, like the, the focus level might not be there and it may be throughout the regular season, but I want to see like if they can continue to, uh, keep this level of intensity going throughout the regular season and onto the playoffs. Cause, uh, I, again, it is pretty taxing to play this way. And, uh, mm-hmm. as we'll get into soon, the defense, I think the way they play offensively, stylistically, and the effort it takes, I think it's had an impact on just the level of effort guys have to spend defensively. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see how this manifests. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, I think we can move on to the defensive end. I mean, there really isn't much to say here, honestly. It's just like you play that sort of, you know, up and down style, and I feel like your your focus isn't necessarily always there on the defensive end. Just like, I mean, it's just tiring. And I will say, like, they're not just, like, letting people walk right by them. Like, they are trying on defense, I think. They just don't have the personnel for it, I think, especially on the perimeter. Um, and I think what they're trying to do is, like, let – their guys guard one-on-one, but, like, you saw last night, like, you let Kawhi Leonard go one-on-one against Aaron Neesmith and Buddy Heald. Yeah, that's how, you yeah, know, the team puts up, like... 150. Uh, yeah, 150, yeah. That's that's exactly how that happens. Um, and the Clippers aren't, you know, they're, they aren't, like, a, I would say, like, an explosive offensive team. Uh, I mean, they're, they're better now, but, like, I don't know. You wouldn't expect them to put up 150 in a game. They're a little bit, like, a more slowed down, like, veteran team. Um, oh, I want to add one thing. One thing I noticed in the going kind of going back to the Pacers offense side, but in the Clipper game yesterday, it was really funny because the Clippers, you know, they're like this really veteran kind of old savvy team. And right. They're trying to figure out how to guard the Pacers in that first quarter. Um, and there would be plays where like there's just so many like, you know, third, fourth, fifth efforts. The Clippers would just stop. They would just like stop trying to defend the Pacers. And then they would just like someone would just cut, get a dunk. And they're like, like, what do we do? I, I didn't watch the rest of that game. Yeah, no. I guess they. I need to watch that game back. I'm I'm behind on that one. I I was unfortunately working during that game, but I would like to. Yeah, um, it, it is funny watching teams like adjust to like the Pacers play a very different brand of basketball than most other NBA teams, especially sure. defensively. Um, yeah, I I think the the personnel issues are, are like the obvious issues. Um, like. I, like how many plus defenders on this roster, right? Like Neesmith is definitely a plus defender. He's been awesome this year. Um, they they ask a ton of him. Um, I think Nemhard is a pretty solid defender. Um, Jackson and Turner both solid, but Turner has taken a definite step back this year, um, both with some athletic declines and just with the offensive responsibility. Um, and outside of that, like I don't like I said, I don't think Bruce Brown's been that great on defense this year. Um, obviously none of like the main scoring guards, Halliburton, Matherin, Heelds, or even like Obi Toppin or TJ McConnell are really giving you much defensively. So they're, they're very behind personnel wise, but I, I don't think the scheme and the, the way that they play defense really helps where I, I, I've talked about this a little bit before this season, but the, like the NBA meta quote unquote is like really shifting towards like no middle being the, the basis of what teams do. Um, more and more teams are like playing higher and drop and sending gap at the nails to like cut off drives and to stop guys from getting to the rim. Um, but the Pacers basically, like you said, Matt, they play one-on-one. They they don't want to send help at from one pass away. They, they don't want to give up threes. And they very rarely will send help at the rim. They, they don't like to double. They, they don't like to send like a second guy from the corner to help and you know maybe get a skip pass as well um which again i think like i understand the philosophy um as well but like again when when you the pacers are are like dead dead last in a in like defensive shot distribution at the rim like teams i'm looking right now team shoot 43 percent of their shots at the rim against the pacers um i see a reaction (laughs) the and second, right, so let's say, just for comparison, the yeah, the Pacers allow teams to shoot 43% of their shots at the rim. Second worst is the Hornets, 
who allow teams to shoot 37% of their shots at the rim. So the gap between the like the Pacers and second worst is the same between um like the gap between the Hornets um or sorry the the Blazers which are worse and like fifth and like 10th or 15th. It's it's remarkable. And the Pacers do give up the the fewest threes in the league which you know fair enough and they've also had um really really bad three point luck which um, I think part of it is that they just like don't have a lot of long rangy defenders to to make shots harder. But I I do think there's something to be said for the fact that teams are shooting forty percent against them, and there's only so much you can really do there. But I think that the other main issue with their their defense is how like kind of like archaic their pick and roll coverages can be at times, um, which is funny to like call like what they do archaic because like they switch a ton. Um, like the main things they do, like they switch a ton and they like blitz and trap and like high hedge a ton, which is is really problematic against one that they just don't have the personnel to do that, right? Like you can so easily match up hunt by switching like their one real defender off of off of the ball and just taking your pick. Um, and even though like someone like Neesmith or even Bruce Brown might have like the skill to be an off ball defender, it's clear that the scheme is de-emphasizing those kind of rotations. Um, and especially with with some of Miles Turner's athletic deficiencies or like the the, the steps backwards he's taken, um, he's still like a good center. And I think among NBA defensive centers, he's like above average in terms of mobility, but it's not the level that it was the last couple of years where you can just stick him in like a drop at the level and trust him to to contain the ball handler. But yeah, I it's it's rough. And some of the and some of the numbers are just like funny to look at because it's so extreme compared to like the rest of the league and, and what they do. But yeah, it's it, it it's not great, really. <laughs> Josh, go ahead. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it was you that talked about this, Ben, but like uh, someone on Twitter was talking about like how a lot of teams are, again, like running the kind of defense you were talking about where they're overloading on the perimeter, but they just don't have the back line to make up for it was that you that, that mentioned that maybe i don't know um okay. either way in, in indiana's case like that that's it, yeah. it, it's a lot of that where they, they try to be aggressive and uh you know and sometimes on the perimeter but again they, they have like they, they run multiple lineups like three guards on the floor and so they're, they're just not gonna be able to even if they try which i have seen them try like in the boston game they've they've tried to make plays in rotation and sometimes they are able to uh, you know, get stops and then be active on that side. It's just a lot of the time when you're when you have like six six two guards trying to close the gap between two defenders, it's just not going to work out. Last and... night they yeah like like last night they ran. Um, I mean I mean obviously like 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 it was a problem because Turner and like Jackson like their centers are missing time, but it is it, it's just pretty great when you have like TJ Halliburton, Heald, Matherin, and Toppin on the floor at the same time. It's like. It's like, what do you, what do you really expect to happen? Like, <laughs> and I think a lot of that is just like balancing offense, defense, uh, which is why they're they're in a lot of trade discussions for a lot of wings because that's that could that is what they need ultimately. Yeah. To me, they, it feels like a little bit the coaching staff. I mean, they're, I'm, I'm I don't want to say like punting on defense. Like, of course they care about they they want them to be a better defense. I mean, they are kind. They are kind of punting on defense. It's a, de- a de-emphasis. A de-emphasis. I don't want to like, say myself. <laughs> Like there's kind of a de-emphasis. I I'll feel say like. as a fan of the team that gets frustrated when they punt on defense. Um, 
And then we can say as analysts that they definitely do de-emphasize it in terms of <laughs> pushing on offense. The, the I think two, like the two voices. Yeah, the, <laughs> the two voices in my head. Um, I, I definitely do think the best thing they do on, on defense is just the fact that they don't turn the ball over and don't give up transition ups. Like that's saving them a lot, I think. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you point out all the extremes. Like it, it's kind of like the uh, have you seen the thing like Grinnell College, some D three school, and like all they do is just shoot yep. threes. They, that was the guy that scored like hundred thirteen points in a game, um, a couple of years ago. He like broke the all time record or whatever. But like they like, I just saw like a video on it. I think today, yeah. Jack just, Taylor, legend. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> they play. They basically play defense like five on three. Have two guys cherry pick and then go five in five out every other minute and just like press the entire game full court trap and just shoot as like 111 threes a game make 40 and you put up 120 and you win just uh, as a like you mentioned this earlier like just as a bit i'd like to see the pacers just like do the chino hills defense of like having your like extremely lazy full court press um and just like chuck the ball yeah like full outlet style um yeah, maybe um, it's not, not obviously not very ethical basketball but you know i would love to see it at the the nba level like some of these you know, very extreme Play styles. I guess they're getting close, but it's still on the board. Like this is, it like, is cool though. Acceptable. Yeah, like it's cool to see how much like how much variation there is in how teams play on on both ends of the floor these days. Like it definitely feels like teams are experimenting with stuff more on both ends. Like there's a ton of zone being played this year on defense. Um, and there are some teams like the Heat are always liable to do some wild shit on defense. Like the like Will Hardy is doing some crazy stuff on on both ends with. It's cool to see. Carlisle kind of actually has a history of doing some more forward-thinking stuff. Like when they were in the bubble, they played that two-three zone with like Marjan, like Boban and Chris stops on the back line, and like Maxi Kleba. Right, you're playing like three huge, basically that all guys that can play the center, um, play them in a zone is kind of like a last-ditch effort against the uh, Clippers. I, I don't remember if it worked or not. Um, yeah, I but, forgot about that. Yeah, that's a good point. That. Yeah. Carlisle has been known to to be a little bit a little bit unique and and innovative but I think the the Pacers are also like they benefit from this because they're like the worst team that you could possibly zone against um and a lot of teams with with worse defensive personnel this year like the Bucks do it a lot we'll just go to zone as a counter to try to throw teams off of their offensive sink but the Pacers have so many like little built-in sets and actions to beat beat two three um like they do this one action i don't i don't know what it like what you'd call it where they have Halliburton ring the ball up and it's like an inverted double ball screen where they have like two defenders like screen out to the zone defenders to like open up like a pathway almost like an elevator but on the ball um to get Halliburton in like they're they're killing zone defense um they they this offense basically has an answer for at its you know when it's humming at its best they basically have an, an answer for everything yeah definitely um i think we can pivot towards more i guess forward like kind of the this team in the future rest of the season going on um i'll ask this to both of you guys where do you will they are they going to be above this level like the kind of they're in the play-in right now um you know seven, seven i think they're like eighth right now um, at the eighth spot, will they get above this or stay at this level the rest of the season? You, you take this one, Ben. I want to hear your thoughts as well. Um, I don't know. I think I think this. I think they're kind of 
I think this is kind of about where they find themselves as like a five, six seed would be my guess for this year. Um, they're too vulnerable to like unserious losses at times. Um, and they'll, especially if they keep having like their bigs miss time, I could definitely see them continuing to, to lose games. And overall, I think like they're four and six in their last 10 they're they're not in a great swing, but ultimately I think they'll bounce back and and win some more games. This offense is going to pick up. It's just too good, and it makes too much sense for not to. But yeah, if I were to guess, I think they finish somewhere from five to seven or eight um, this year, as like kind of where they are now. I think like we've seen the range from the Pacers. Like we've seen the crazy stuff that they can do, and like the. The, the like the level of basketball they can play and we've also seen like them lose to the hornets and the blazers and stuff like, yeah, Josh, no, you're not exempt from this question either what's up you're not exempt from this either you oh know. yeah no I'm, I'm, i was okay, gonna okay. wait i was, I was curious, genuinely curious to hear what he uh <laughs> felt i was gonna but i mean I, I think i'm i'm in a similar boat like right now indiana's the eight seed they're a half game above brooklyn they're a lot better than that like let's be real um and i think like a lot of what we talked about like the recent slide of games has been um, you know, I don't think that's anything that's going to project like towards the rest of the season. I think the one they're, they're dealing with, uh, or they had to play a lot of road games, like uh, including the in season tournament. Uh, they're, they're just coming off that, that big road stretch and, uh, and, and it's just a, a down point in the season for them. I think they'll definitely pick it back up. Um, and, but like, you know, I, so I, I don't think their offense is going to, is going to skid they're going to remain at the top of the league. Um, defensively, it's I I don't think I, I see any area of or any ability to really build off of that. It's just again, personnel issues. The, the lineup to throw out there, it's it's going to be tough. But uh, I I think they're they're legit though. The offense will will propel them to. I I they should be a playoff team. I think, but uh, where where they where they end up is going to depend on a variety of factors. If I if I were to play safe here i'd say like five eight range like like ben mentioned I, I don't think they're good enough to be uh better than like orlando or um you know philly who are who are good on both sides of the ball uh able to build up their uh net rating in that way uh, but i think the playoff uh, barring health i think they, they should be a playoff team for sure um and anything beyond that i think it's 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 going to be interesting because you know they, indiana is terrible on, on defense but offensively they could really make some things like they, they can make I think teams of uh in that top bracket of the East like that. I don't I don't think you'd want to play Indiana just because of how explosive. No, absolutely be. not. And and I think that like 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 again like defenses like I think again we beat we've seen them beat the Celtics and the Bucks both in like high leverage important mm-hmm. games. Um and though they definitely have like Achilles heels and ways to take them away like most defenses aren't going to be able to do that consistently and especially like if. Like I think they could potentially match up, um, in it's like like well against a team like the Philadelphia, who Joel Embiid is you know historically destroyed Miles Turner, but the Pacers want to play shootouts anyways, right? Um, or or a team like the Knicks, who they can possibly just like outshoot, but but yeah, I I think they have that playoff ceiling. Like, and if I had to like guess, I'd say they're like a second round exit this year, but I don't know. I hope I hope I'm wrong about that. Obviously. The yeah. way things are going for sure. Yeah. Um, hmm. It's tough. So if we're really trying to game this out, Cleveland is going to be missing Garland and Mobley for quite a bit right now. So obviously you project them to kind of fall a little bit. 
Uh, Miami's never been the most, you know, healthy team ever. Um, so, I mean, I can see Indiana kind of jumping those two teams. Um, but Indiana, too, they're also not very uh, – they can't really take on too many injuries. Like, as you – like, if they lose Halliburton, like, I mean, they're probably going to lose. Um, Turner, I mean, almost the same thing as well. Um, yeah, they're really, you know, kind of, I guess, top-heavy in that way. Um, but, yeah, at the same time, though, I do think they're, like, levels above, like, in Atlanta – uh, who's like eleven and fifteen right now? Um, so yeah, uh, this is tough. I'll, I'll say I'll say seven. I don't know if they'll get out of the the, the uh, play-in tournament, um, but yeah, I think they're at about right level. Honestly, I don't think they win a series this year just because like you have to play. If you're if they're gonna be at this level like eight seven, you're gonna play one of Celt- the Celtics, Bucks, Sixers in the first round, and like I just don't see them winning in a seven game series against any of those teams so yeah i don't i I mean i think it's exciting to see like this team you know take a step up this year but i don't project them winning a a first round playoff series um but with that in mind um i kind of want to talk about the future of this team right so this is kind of the first year you kind of see this iteration of the indiana pacers kind of take a step up with halliburton's rise um what do you guys kind of envision the future of this team being I think that um, they, they definitely made clear that they have an identity that they have established and that they're working with. Um, and I would imagine they keep going in this direction with just like going in on offense. But I think at some point you have to make defensive additions. And my worries about the Pacers are kind of that, like, where are they growing from internally? Like, I think Halliburton's going to hopefully keep getting better. He's still very young. I think Isaiah Jackson, um, I'm not sure what the ceiling is there, but I think he's going to keep getting better. Hopefully Matherin as well. Um, as you like, I am certainly a Matherin skeptic. Um, I was not a fan of Faye as a prospect, and especially as a fan of the team, the way he plays just pisses me off sometimes. Um, but he is obviously a talented scorer, and he has some real tools when it comes to getting downhill, hitting shots off the dribble, drawing fouls. Um, so hopefully some internal growth. I definitely believe in Jarris Walker as well, who kind of buried on their bench at this point, but he's a prospect who I liked a lot on both ends but i i don't know i i do think there's gonna have to be some serious roster construction and i think the the main thing to watch is whether like halliburton can make true of of bringing stars to play with him in indiana as the pacers have not historically been a market that has been able to attract stars in free agency and they have done you know credit to to pritchard and the rest of the the ownership they've done a really good job of acquiring stars through trades um whether that's trading for Oladipo or trading for Halliburton, like making these moves. And hopefully Halliburton, like I said, can can make true on his promise and, you know, entice guys to play with him. Because I do think the idea of another like legit star coming to play with Halliburton is really, really intriguing. Um, like people have hypothesized like what Laurie Markkinen would look like in this Pacers offense. Um, I don't think he, I don't, I, like, like, I don't think he'd be gettable. Um, and I, I question whether or not the Pacers have like the real assets to make a star deal at this point. Um, like you'd probably have to give up Matherin, which I personally would be fine with, but I don't think the Pacers would. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think at some point it's like a real star, like wing or forward trade needs to happen for them to like reach their ceiling. I agree with that. 
uh, for sure. Like they, they just need size in general. Like that's something where they're lacking and some defensive presence, some anchor on that, on that side of the ball. Uh, but like, like Ben mentioned, like this year, I think they established their identity. Like they're going to be a team that plays fast because Halliburton's going to be at the helm. And so you need guys that are going to fit into that and work into it. And honestly, like the, the way they play, like it's fun to us as fans. I think the players like it as well. Like they, yeah, they, one, it's really effective, but it, they it's definitely, yeah, they definitely said, I've definitely seen like interviews with Halliburton and Obi Toppin and guys saying like how much fun it is to play like this. Um, even I, if it's tiring and taxing, like it's fun to score a lot of points. Like it's, it's just fun to play. Like, you know, exactly. it's fun to play like that. Yeah. And, and when the vibes are that high, like I, I think that only increases the likelihood of, uh, you know, guys wanting to play with you and 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 the front office wanting to make moves to to supplant that the core you got going. So yeah, um, I, I will say they, yeah, this year I don't I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna make any noise, but long term you got to look for uh you know two way guys, uh, guys are gonna play both sides of the ball and uh can play around Halliburton and I think the luxury of Halliburton is that he can play like on and off the ball and so it doesn't really matter what style of offense that or or like how. Uh, the the guy you bring in plays because Halliburton can play off of that easily. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, they definitely need a trade, but I, I think down the line they have a bright future. My other issue at the like is is that well one like I, I think another like small addition they really need is just like a it's like a, a really really high quality guard defender, um, and ideally one that's like can actually play some offense, so not like Davion Mitchell, um, someone more like Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, or like even like Dennis Smith Jr. Um, at this point, someone like that would be a good addition. Normally, those guys are gettable through the draft, but the Pacers historically have been pretty bad drafting over the last ten or so years, right? Like since the the Miles Turner pick in 2015, which obviously turned out well. Um, most of their drafts have gone poorly with the players they pick either not working out or working out on another team like Goga Batadze is right now or like Karis Levert has as well. Um, so like it's so important for like elite teams to like make use of their rookie contracts um, late mid late first second round picks and the Pacers have pretty consistently shown that they are not very good at picking in those spots. And I actually, I definitely was a fan of their, their picks this year. I, I liked a lot. I liked most of the guys they drafted, which maybe is a bad thing, but um, I think that's going to be something to pay attention is like, can they improve their, like their drafting track record, right? Like the, like the, like, I don't think the Matherin pick was good. The Duarte pick was, was problematic. The, the Aaron Holiday and TJ Leaf picks were, were pretty disastrous, right? Like, so I think that that has to be a place where there, there needs to be focus because it can't be all on free agency. Like it just, it just can't, it just can't be that way. It's really, really hard to build championship teams through free agency um, in any sport, but especially in basketball. And especially um, in Indiana. Yes, exact, exactly. Where they have to like overpay for guys like Bruce Brown, who, like, again, I like I think the contract is fine because it's two years, especially. But they, in terms of like AAV, they probably paid him a little more than he's worth, and they just have to do that because of the market they're in. So, the the drafting is going to be really important. Um, getting value out of those rookie contracts, which again isn't something that. 
They've really been great at historically. You know, m- maybe they're getting better at it with like Nemhard, I think has been is, has worked out well for them. Isaiah Jackson, I think is going to work out well for them, but that's going to be a key for them. Like maybe Ben Shepard can can turn into something as well. Yeah, that's a good point about just them not hitting on the draft picks. And I don't think it's going to be getting any easier just because they've established a floor for themselves. So, like, they're not going to get as high of picks, even yeah. though they weren't necessarily getting, like, high picks anyways. Um, like, they're not probably not going to get a lottery pick this year. I, I don't know if they have anyone else's picks or not. But, um, you know, once you're outside of that lottery range, it's really hard to – I mean, you're probably at that point kind of going more for fit because everyone at that, like, from out of the lottery to, like, second round even a couple picks into the second round like talent wise everyone's kind of the same at that point it's just like it's a matter of like fit and like who do you think's gonna um yeah hit. so it's gonna get it's gonna be tougher for them to find um a diamond in the rough just just probability wise at, at those spots they're probably gonna be drafting in in the um the next few years and even the Halliburton, you know that's not a guy they drafted it's a guy they traded for mm-hmm. uh, and they you know and the guy that they traded for Halliburton was Sabonis, who is also another guy they traded for in the, um, exactly. the Paul George trade. You know, it's like none of these guys are even. I mean, Miles Turner's been a mainstay, but besides right, that's that, been, that's an exception, exactly. Yeah, but like that, that yeah, think, exactly. That's the exception. I, I think they have like another OKC pick still from the like the Paul George trade. Um, even OKC is doing well right now. They're they're a you know top five six yeah. team in yeah the West. so that'll probably be like a that, that might be like a late mid late 20s pick which again if you use that right can be really valuable so yeah um yeah i think you know we we covered the the pacers pretty in depth um really yeah really fun team to watch. i didn't uh, so would you say you're like a pacers fan yourself like yeah yeah i i'm like i'm an indiana sports fan um just because my like my dad's side of the family um, is from there so I have grown up the curse of being a Colts and a Pacers fan Ooh. um but you know I, I mean there it, it could definitely be worse like I've seen I've seen the Pacers make the playoffs many years um and go pretty far um as well and we've had some really good teams um but definitely like as I'm sure you know you might you y'all might be able to relate to like working in basketball or like in sports in any capacity kind of sucks the fandom out of you like it has to that's just kind of how it is um yeah but so I definitely don't like root for them as as intensely as I did five or six years ago, but I still like enjoy watching them be good. And again, like it, it helps when they play a really fun, exciting brand of basketball um, that I can like look forward to watching their games. And like, again, even like at this point, even if the Pacers are losing, they're losing in entertaining fashion, like 150 to 130. Right, exactly. Like that Clippers game last night, like looked awesome. Like, like yeah. re- regardless of the Pacers getting crushed, it's like, it, it's gonna be a good experience. Yeah. At least I, w- I will say the the benefit of being an out of state fan is you don't get the league pass blackouts if you oh, use yeah. league pass. Literally um, the worst thing ever. Yeah, yeah I can't I, watch. I can't watch like any Lakers or Clippers games here. Yeah, um, that are not national TV, which is annoying because I like watching those teams. Yeah, hopefully that changes over the next couple of years with like the. The RSNs is all changing and stuff. Hopefully that there'll be some sort of different model moving forward. Um, here we can, we ask you just we can wrap up on this question. But like, how did you get into basketball? Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I've just like been into it my whole life. Like my like I said, like like my dad was a big sports guy. I grew up around sports. I had a lot of family members, like friends who played sports. I like played sports as a kid. Um, and then I don't know. At some point within the last like six or seven years um, I got more into the weeds of like scouting and like 
draft Twitter and like that kind of world, which totally like changed my perspective on how I view sports and that as, as a whole. Um, and the rest is history, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I'm like a hoops lifer as many people are um, as well, but yeah, within the last four or five years, like finding like some of like the, the old like gold draft Twitter podcasts and like YouTube videos and stuff like that is, has, you know, allowed me to, to get into the work that I do. And I'm, and I'm happy that I found this path, of course. Yeah. Are you aspiring to work like full-time in basketball at some point? Um, one day? Not really. I'd say I've had, I've had full-time basketball jobs in the past and um, they're, they're definitely fun and rewarding, but they're also very stressful for me. Um, and yeah, like the last time I worked a full-time hoops job was like in college when I was very stressed all the time. Um, so I wouldn't mind trying it again, but I, I enjoy basketball too much to like make, cause like, I feel like when it becomes work, it, it becomes work. Right. And it's hard to enjoy it. Um, so I think it would be cool to work in basketball again one day and I'm definitely open to it but I'm also fine where I am, so. Okay, yeah, I see. Um, yeah, Yash, have anything else to, to add before we wrap up? No, I think we we covered Pacers. Just, uh, you know, I want to say, you know, thanks thanks for coming on, Ben. We're big fans of your work as a manager yeah, of your videos, so appreciate you coming thank, on. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. Always yeah. always fun to talk ball, and I always I, I love talking about the Pacers, so. Yeah, where, where can people find all your uh, work and stuff? Um, Basically, anything... Um, that I do will be on my Twitter at BJPF underscore, which I changed from my last name, fun fact, because I was tired of saying it on podcasts. Um, so um, it's just at BJPF underscore. Um, my YouTube channel video, my YouTube channel is just, and like my TikTok are both on just, just my full name where I'm posting content as well. But yeah, anything that I do will be on my Twitter, basically. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, for the listeners, make sure to follow us on the Beyond the Arc podcast Twitter at Beyond the Arc 8 and make sure to follow uh, Yasha at Basketball One. Um, make sure to follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening.